Good day, guys. I know in your head, right, there's this one question that is boggling you. It's like, hey, why so many negative news, ah? but the stock market still keep going up and up and up? Ah? Have we passed the bottom? Am I going to lose this chance to acquire good companies? Aha, uh-huh. so all the FOMO is setting in and a lot of my friends have been asking me all sorts of questions. How do I start? How do I invest? And in my head, it's like, bro, don't rush, right? If you're in a rush, chances are you will not do very well. But then my question is, okay, so if I don't want them to rush, how can I kind of give them some thoughts so that they can get some exposure to make some money without the risk of, you know, kind of busting it? And I thought, okay, maybe we should really explore index ETFs, right? And I really want to share with you what I found, some of my thoughts. And today we're going to talk about the three pointers to look out for when investing in index ETFs. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, discussing financial strategies that fits our lives. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. So today's topic, three pointers to look out for when investing in index ETFs. So yeah, good day guys. Happy to be chatting with you guys again and sharing with you some of my thoughts around, you know, investing, around personal finance and I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In general, I think, you know, at this point in time, if you are considering investing, you are even in the discussion of investing then you are in a pretty good space, honestly, right? That means your income is pretty stable, you have your savings, you've done all the groundwork that you need to do to be able to be at this point in time, even think about investing. But maybe that's one thing you've not really done yet, which is to really think of how to invest, to really go and learn over time, which is very understandable because, you know, if you want to make all that money, you've got to probably be spending a lot of time doing what you do, brush up on yourself and get to where you are today. So you have all this surplus sitting around and you you always hear people saying, hey, you know how the market come down, I must buy, you know, buy anything, also make money. Clearly, that's not the case. And <laughs> we went through that in the past few episodes. So do check out the past few episodes, some of the mass misconceptions that people have about investing in the stock market. And I want to put it out there that before all these lockdowns, before all these RMO, stay-at-home notice, and this market collapse, I was never, you know, very interested in index investing. I was never a big proponent of, you know, index funds, you know, and all the ETFs that people talk about all over YouTube, everywhere, you know, a lot of these personal finance professionals or personal finance gurus, whatever you call them, they keep talking about index investing. So I'm not a big fan of that before. It doesn't mean I'm a huge fan of it now. I'm just a lot clearer about what it does, right? So ultimately, you got to realize that there are many tools to do all these different things. And investing has a lot of different strategies, right? And a lot of different tools out there. So over time, I slowly learned to appreciate different tools. I started out only picking stocks in the U.S., 
And then slowly I look into REITs in Singapore and then now I'm looking into index investing. And the reason why I'm looking into it, the reason why I'm actually bothered to study it is because of you guys. Because a lot of you guys, after listening to the podcast or some of my friends, they just came and asked, hey, you know, how do I start? How do I start investing? What kind of stocks do I pick? And in my head, it's like, bro, you're just in a rush. It's virtually impossible to do it in such a short period of time. But then I want to give them another alternative, right? It's like if realistically, you know, you cannot do it, right? You cannot, you're not able to pick stocks in a short period of time, at least not with some level of finesse and understanding. So then if you want to be vested, given such a short period of time, definitely I feel index investing is one of those strategies that it works, right? So what is index investing, right? What is an index ETF? So essentially, index investing is trying to buy an index. So an index is essentially a measurement, right? So like the Dow Jones Industrial Index, that is a very common and popular index, right? That is the 30 biggest manufacturing companies in the US, right? The S&P 500 Standards and Poor 500 Index is the measurement of 500 of the best companies in the US. Supposedly, right? They all have their own measurement. That's up to them to decide. And then there's the Hang Seng Index, which is the top 50 companies in Hong Kong across four different sectors. And then, famously, we have the Straits Times Index back at home, right? Which measures 30 companies in the Singapore Stock Exchange. All of them are trying to do one thing. They're all trying to indicate the performance of the stock exchange. And while we'll not go deep into breaking down all the weightages and why these indexes track these companies, right? All those things, you can go and geek it out yourself. It's not difficult to find. But by recognizing that all these indexes are trying to track the broad market movement, you realize that what is it trying to say is that if the market is doing well, the index will go up. If the market is not doing well, the index will come down. And that is the beauty of index investing, right? You don't actually need to, you know, break your head and choose companies and, you know, try to find the value and all those things. All those are great, right? They have their own way of do- doing things. You know, it's just that it's within a short period of time, realistically, I think it's quite challenging for anybody to chime in on that. And sometimes you just don't want to do it, right? I have some friends who, you know, just want to focus on what they do. They don't want to spend all day trying to study the charts, trying to study the market, trying to study the fundamentals. So yeah, index has its position and it's pretty interesting. But the truth is you cannot actually buy an index. An index is just a measurement run by a company, whether it's Standards and Poor's, whether it's Straits Times, you know, different companies, they have their own indicators to help people understand what's going on in the market because it tracks market movement essentially, right? But over time, there's a bunch of people that came out with this thing called an index ETF, also known as exchange-traded funds. And these index ETFs aim to copy the movement of the indexes. Right, so you cannot buy the index because that is a measurement tool, but you can buy these index ETFs that are trying to copy the index movement. 
such that you can get exposure to the market. Meaning, when the market grow, you know your portfolio can grow along together with the market. And yes, the first point I have for you when looking out to invest in an index ETF is that you definitely want to be a cheapo and go for low fees. <laughs> so the idea is that in the broad market of ETFs, there are two kinds of. Uh, generally, there are two kinds of ETFs. One is what we are going to talk about, index ETFs, and the other one is what we call sector ETF. It can be a particular sector, or it can be a particular country, particular region. You know that requires a bit more work. You know, depending on what the fund is trying to do, I mean, it essentially depends on the managers, right? Are they trying to do equal weighted? Are they going to try to do capex weighted? And all those things we can talk about in another podcast. But what I why I share with you this right is that you need to realize that in an index ETF, there's not much work to do, right? The reality is, if the index doesn't change, the ETF will not change because the goal of the index ETF is to mimic the index. So unless there's a change in the S and P five hundred, that means amongst these five hundred companies, S and P decide that okay, some companies are going to go out of this index because it doesn't reflect the stock market, doesn't reflect the economy, and other companies are going to come in. Or in the STI Straits Times Index, they're going to change up some of the companies. Then these index ETFs will need to do their switches. But more often than not, these things don't really change. They do from time to time, when whoever that's behind the index decide to reevaluate the index. But you know, it's not like every day they are changing. So or every week they are changing. It doesn't work that way. So if the index doesn't change, the index ETF doesn't need to do much work. So I will personally will not pay someone to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite. Of what big wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> You know, not do much lah, <laughs> and we need to understand that fees do play a big part in the way we invest, right? Which is why I'm super big on like finding a good, decent brokerage without much fees, and you know, I'm not. Fancy of paying a lot of people a lot of fees if they are not doing a lot of work or they're not value adding to that service for me. So in the case of specifically in the case of index ETFs, because they're not doing a lot, the market benchmark, okay, the market rate, ah, it's about zero point two to zero point four percent. Anything more, you really got to question why the ETF is charging you so much. Right, so the average is about zero point two to zero point four. Let's take that as the benchmark. Okay, so when you are choosing an index ETF, whether is it the SPY, whether is it the IWO or IVO, you know, or is it ES3, you know, all these are tickers. So I'm sure you come across some of these tickers when you you just simply go and Google index ETF, like wow, like whole list come out. So all these tickers they come out, and I will not go into them, you know, individually. But you definitely want to make sure that it's within zero point two to zero point four because that's kind of the market rate. And most of the big index ETFs right are around this rate one, so don't need to be too worried, right? Which brings me to point number two. So point number two is really about the tracking difference between the index 
and the index ETF. Because the reality is you're trying to buy the market, right? You're trying to get exposure to the market. You're trying to buy the index. But you cannot buy all this, so you buy the index ETF. The index ETF's role is to track the market. That means if the market goes up by 10%, let's say Straits Times goes up by 10%, <laughs> which is very rare and we can talk about why the Singapore stock market doesn't grow another time <laughs> taking that as an example let's say Straits Times goes up by 10% and your index ETF goes up by 9% then that will mean that there'll be a 1% tracking difference and that is huge because 10 to 9 right there's actually a 10% variance right to me it's not acceptable right <laughs> so we got to realize that there will always be a difference or as expected to have a difference. But the question is, what is the optimal difference, right? The optimal difference is essentially the fee price. So when they say they charge you a fee, right, they're not going to actively send you a, 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 like a bill and tell you, okay, you need to pay how much, how much, how much. No, it's just a reflection of the difference, right? Which means if like, they are charging you 0.3% for a fee, and this year's growth rate is 10% on the index, then you're expecting your index ETF to go up by 9.7%, factoring that 0.3%, ah, right? So that is the optimal case, which is why I say when the tracking difference between the index and the ETF is optimal is when it meets the cost, right? The low cost that we are looking at. Sometimes on very, very good indexes or very, very good funds, they do have times where where the index ETF ends up paying more than the index. And this is because uh, sometimes these index ETF guys, the fund managers behind these ETFs, they do take the shares that is owned by the ETF and lend it to someone else so that they can short the market and they can do whatever that they want to do. All those are technicals. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you must adjust your expectation. Huh? It's like you go makan somewhere and then the person gives you extra dessert. Please don't expect that the dessert is included in the set meal. Okay, so the understanding is as long as the tracking difference is small, which means optimal at the fee price, which is the low fees, that is good enough. And it's very easy to calculate. Some platforms even have already calculated that for you. Like ETFDB.com, you can check them out. Or in Singapore's uh, context, I think a lot of people use FunSupermart.com. You can check them out also. Uh, but FunSupermart doesn't count for you. You might need to do a little bit of counting for yourself. So very simple. You just go and if let's say you want to track STI, Straight Times Index, you just go and put STI under Google, Straight Times Index, and see the one-year mark, right? What is the one-year difference? And then you click on the fund, which I think ES3 is one of the more uh, common fund that is tracking the STI index and just kind of see that the differences. So you just going to calculate yearly basis. Lah. Don't try to calculate day to day. Lah, huh? So that will be kind of where it is. It's not that difficult. Very easy to find. Do a little bit of calculation. Okay, Take out that calculator app in your iPhone that you never use ever. Right? <laughs> Still a little bit of calculation. It shouldn't be that difficult. Which brings me to point number three. The third point as to what you should look out for when investing in an index ETF is you want to go for the big funds. You want to go for the big index. Honestly, I don't think there are a lot of small index ETFs also, but it's a good thing to understand why you want to go for the big index ETF. And Investopedia actually has a benchmark saying that 10 million and above fund size is considered good enough. Right? So, if you are going for the super big ones, of course, they are. They will be like in the billions. Like, oh, there's no, no big issue on that. But why we want to go for the big funds is because we want to go for liquidity. We need to understand that when we're investing, 
it is a, a lot about buy and sell. It's a lot about liquidity because it's very easy to buy, but then when you want to sell it, how, who is going to take over? So in a big fund, it is much easier for money to come out because they have more money sitting around and people are very willing to take over from you, which is why ETFs are so amazing in what they do. A little bit different from like, a, let's say like, like property, right? You want to sell property and you got to wait for a buyer and you got to search for the buyer. You pay all the people in between to go have you source for the buyers. But the beauty about like stocks, let's say stocks per se, super liquid because there's an exchange and there are a lot of people that are looking to buy and sell. So the moment you go in, you want to sell something, people are willing to buy at a certain price, right? And for ETFs, you want to definitely look at those big ETFs, right? Which has the liquid asset to allow you to sell if you really need, right? But I'm definitely sure that if you're looking at index investing, you are looking for the long-term. Long-term investing, right? You, we are not buying and selling a lot, but we just want to make sure that if we are going to any index, and then any index ETF, we want to make sure that the ETF has the capacity to allow us to liquidate if we need. So I'm going to sum up these three pointers to look out for when investing in an index ETF, the number one is definitely you want to go for the low fees. Honestly, they're not doing much, so you don't want to be paying them a lot because it eats into your revenue, eats into your profits. And number two, you want to go for the tracking difference, very optimal tracking difference between the index and the index ETF, which should match your fees. And number three, you want to go for the big funds, okay? Don't be a hipster. Don't try to go cafe hopping on the stock market or in the index market, right? Stick to the big guys and I think you should be doing pretty well this period. So no more FOMO for you. Consider some index ETFs. And I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you would share what you gain with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building a community of financially savvy coconuts. And together we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, just search The Financial Coconut. And if you enjoy the podcast and feel you want to keep us growing and stay independent, do buy us a copy at ko-fi.com. ko-fi.com. Everything is in the description below. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.